Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. Today, I am talking with Jen Zash about a new paradigm of education. So really thrilled to have her today and just sharing some new thoughts and ideas on what is going on in our educational system. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you with your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life Magazine and the Brain Health Magazine. Additionally, I've published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion, and I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Jen Zash, and she is a school psychologist and mindful mama parent coach. And she, which is an education reform activist who fiercely challenges traditional models of parenting and education and is on a lifelong mission to let children be children. Creator of the Mindful Mama Mastermind Program, Jen combines her unique skill set derived from her 20 years of professional career as a K-12 school psychologist in a nationally ranked school district to provide moms with a simple blueprint for shifting the parent-child relationship from disconnected to soul-connected. Trained under Dr. Oz's top mindful expert, Corey Mascara. Jen is also an infant sleep consultant to the rich and famous and mindfulness educator who has served on a case manager to over 14,000 students ranging from birth to adulthood. She has been credited with saving hundreds of lives from suicide and guiding others to lead lives in authentic alignment in spite of oppressive conditions. So welcome to the podcast, Jen. I am so thrilled to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Amy. And I love your mission. It's an honor to be a part of that. Well, and you know, this is such an interesting topic that we're talking about today, something I have not had on the podcast. So I'm really excited to dig into it and really just explore, you know, what, what you have seen over the past 20 years in education. Um, so where might be a good place to start it? What, what would be a good starting point? Well, I think we can we can start with the children, right? I always yeah. Um, you know, from from the time I was I was young, I I got to be a kid, and I had this very playful childhood. And I'm one of the fortunate adults who didn't lose that sense of of play and awe and wonder. And um, it's really, it's really important. I think it's where joy is birthed from. Yeah. And being a school psychologist for the last 20 years, what I saw was a real shift in, in what classrooms look like from when I had been growing up. And not every school, right? There's different models out there. Um, but working in one, like you had said, one of the best school districts in, in the nation where people come from all over the world, um, you know, it really is very much in line with best practice and what we learn in grad school. The teachers are phenomenal. The kids are amazing, but it very much feels like this race to know it. It very much feels like outcomes-based, performance-based. Um, teachers, administrators, and, and students and parents all having this tremendous amount of pressure 
on them for this definition of success that I'm not so sure many people pause to challenge. And I've, you know, we all have sort of our souls calling and our personalities. And from early on, I've always been somebody to challenge the status quo and to question things and to be the voice for the voiceless. And so um, I've also been really fortunate to have very supportive administrators throughout my career who would actually entertain um, a lot of my my thoughts, my inquiry, and um, just considering that there may be another way. And I do think there is a lot of value and, um, and positive things that go on in schools. Uh, but I also think there is a lot of room for change. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so this, this book, A New Paradigm of Education, which is going to be uh, launched in October with educators and parents from around the globe with very different perspectives, is a way for us to hopefully begin a dialogue for what that can look like. And I really think that you know, it's that that interaction between that interconnectedness between our between all of us, really. And our kids are are born with what I think we all need to as adults uh, get back to just that present moment awareness and checking like going inward. Um, and that's that's what I think wellness has shifted to very much over over the years, which is, is a great thing, you know, uh, much more emphasis on, on mindfulness and yoga and getting back in our bodies, not just in our minds, because the minds can play a lot of tricks. And um, so, yeah, I, I hope that kind of gives you a little snapshot of, of me. And yeah, me. you know, and you talk in your bio about allowing kids to be kids. And, you know, I, I'm not a parent, so I, you know, I really don't have that experience to talk to this, but I ran a photography studio for 20 years and I had so many families I got to know and it stressed me out seeing how stressed out they were and their kids, like they would come in the evening for a family session and they were coming in frantically. They had gotten the kids from one thing and they had exactly 25 minutes to do a session. And then they had to get to the kid to the next thing. And I remember one kid was in hockey. He was in, ah, I can't remember if he was elementary or middle school, but he was still pretty young. And their ice time was from nine to 11 at night. Like, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, And, you know, like, these kids are just in so many things. And, you know, it's one thing if the kid like truly wants to be in all those things, but is that what's happening or is it the parents want them to be in all the things? And I just see everybody so stressed out. The kids are stressed. The parents are stressed. Um, you know, so what are you seeing in that realm? Yes. Yes. To all of it. And I, I don't do that with my children. Um, I have a 10 year old and a 12 year old for my own sanity. I don't do it for their sanity. And again, for, um, sort of being the change I'm modeling that, um, a lot of what I do and, and teach people are, are drawn to, but also I think it like scares them because it's so different. Um, but I also have a lot of educational research to support some of 
what I do in line with their fears, which is, oh my gosh, if I don't put them in 4 million activities, then they may not get into the best college and then they may not get an amazing job and therefore they won't be successful. So when I can come to these parents and say, look, maybe there's another way because I, I actually know I work with these amazing college admit, you know, admissions officers. I can tell you what they're not looking for. And that is this like, you know, super anxious kid who has, uh, you know, a million different APs and they have all A's and they've been in soccer since they're two because that's the profile of almost every kid, you know, admitted. But now you have somebody who, you know, maybe they're in one AP or none. But they have been a trapeze artist since they're three and like something really different. And whatever that thing or things are, it's true to that child. And that's the the path that they've nurtured over time. Instead of trying to fit into this box that isn't going to make the child happy and ironically is probably not going to get the child into school. And even if they did, then to what end? Um, Because the rates of of, uh, suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety are through the roof and have gotten so much worse over the last 20 years. My, my, It was my second year and I was at the elementary school I started and one of the local news stations came in and they wanted to interview me on testing anxiety. It was around the time of state testing. And at that time, it was really only, I think, like third and maybe eighth grade. Now it's pretty much every grade that these kids have Mm -hmm. anxiety and standardized tests and, and teachers are frustrated too, because then very often they feel like they have to teach to a test. And so they also are losing um, why they first went into education to begin with. And when we're so focused outward and on outcomes, we, we step away from our heart and we step away then from that connection with our students and everyone mm-hmm. around us. And I, I think, especially now with now we can measure energy, right. It's not really woo woo anymore. Like that is why I think the the anxiety rates are, because we do all feed off of one another and it's just, yeah, so yeah. hundred percent. Right. So, um, you know, there's many, many layers here. Uh, but I think that, Schools are the place to start because they are our hope and our future. Um, and, you know, we still exist as, as adults, which is why I created the Mindful Mama Parenting Program um, to give moms especially a place to have permission to take care of themselves because normally mm-hmm. we don't really do that. Um, and so watching that um, happen and unfold for moms has been a gift for me. Yeah. You know, Jen, I, you know, I think back to school and, you know, elementary, I don't, I I don't really have any memory of kids having anxiety. I mean, maybe some of them did, but I just didn't know what that was. But even in high school, like, I don't recall the level of stress over homework and testing. I mean, there was always those few outliers, right? Mm-hmm. But like in general, I don't remember the stress of tests and, um, and, and, and just anxiety in general. Like I don't recall any friends having anxiety and perhaps that's just cause we didn't talk about it back then, but I really just feel like yeah. life was so much simpler. I know that's such a yeah. cliche, um, but we're just so overwhelmed and so inundated 
you know, we've got our kids have phones and kids have social media and there's, you know, the fear of missing out. And, and I mean, just how did we get here? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think you also raised a really good point, just even going back to that image of your photography session and, you know, it really, I think encapsulates what's going on this frenetic state that our families are in and our country is in and then our children that up um, energetically but then we all have to create the same schedule for them as if they're little adults and as if that's doing them any good and I agree with you if it's something that is like feeding their soul and they're super happy doing whatever the activities but even with that said you know there we all still need to take things off of our plate and um more is definitely not always better, especially, you know, you brought up the phones. We are always on. We're always plugged in. And the sensory overload is just insane. It's, it's, and it really, I think it just has such a toxic effect and which is why mindfulness is more important than ever. And I think, I think how we got here is because we kind of match what's happening in our, our outer world and technology was moving so quickly. Yeah. And if you look at the rates of depression and anxiety. I mean, all of that really skyrocketed the second of the year that the smartphone came out. And I don't think that's a coincidence. And so yeah, I, I agree. For parents then who were working parents um, or people, it doesn't even have to be parents was that you're always going to be on call for work. And, um, and that changed everything. And so even with school, like, uh, like I do really create boundaries and protected time with my family and they're not allowed to bring their devices to the table. And, um, and, and I start every school year with the teachers that my kids have. And I explain to them my, my perspective, because these are a part of my core values. And I think that that's something that like for your audience members to, when you think about self-care and wellness, you know, we tend to think about very often like that massage or, you know, right. And like, yeah, there's value to that but very often it's it's more like an escape from our life and if you have to escape from your life and I've been there so no judgment but then maybe we need to make some bigger yes scarier perhaps but more massive changes to our day-to-day life um like our job our marriage our who we surround ourselves with and all the information we bring into our field of awareness all of those Mm -hmm. things have in like are very, very impactful. So the, you know, the first thing I would tell somebody who's super stressed is like, don't watch the news. Don't yeah. put on your way into work. How you start your day is, is huge. Like, are you surrounding yourself with negative people who are complaining all the time? Like they're out, you know, so we can curate our environment. Um, everybody can do that. And, and that's can be the positive side of social media. So when people say everything's coming in, it's so negative, not on my phone. If you looked at my feed, it's the power of positivity and wellness and you're coming up and, you know, cause I've curated everything yeah, yeah. at home and people can do that. And those are easy, tangible things. It doesn't have to cost anything, but our environment really um, has an impact on our, in our world. And, you know, going back to, you used the word modeling a while back. Um, but as parents, 
you're modeling to your children how to react to the world. And, you know, I've seen it with some of my friends and they're constantly on their phone. And like, I spent a weekend at a friend's house and everybody just looked at their phone and I'm sitting there like, are we going to like go do something? (laughs) And it was just like, so weird, right? Like they literally text each other from the other room. (laughs) Um, you know, so, I mean, thinking about the way you, you react to situations too. And like, you know, if something is stressful at work, um, and you come home and that's all you talk about for the first 20 minutes, you know, you're modeling that like, so your kid's going to come home and just complain about something at school or, or whatever. And, you know, so, so for, so what advice do you have some, for someone listening and, you know, we're not always aware that we're even doing that, right? Like it's very unconscious most of the time. So what, how can we break those habits? Yeah. And I I love that you brought up habits because that is a really big part of what's going on here. And when everybody else is doing it, you know, and on their phone, it just, we we don't realize the impact. Um, We don't know what we don't know sometimes. Yeah. But for what parents can really do, so a couple of things, um, you know, I brought up like core values. I have this acronym that I use with my parents and they like it a lot. Good song YMCA, and so like the Y is uh, twofold. So number one, like look at yourself, right? Like I can go crazy with my kids, like we're all human, but then I know it's probably not something that they're actually really doing. I'm getting triggered. So what can I do to regulate? So when I feel that, and the more you do it, the the more you can break that habit. Um, so looking inward when we get triggered, whether it's from our kids or from our, anything, it doesn't, again, doesn't have to be just parent. Um, and then the other why is what is your why? Like, how do you want to show up in, in this world? And, um, if connecting with your friends on a trip is really important, then being on your phone and texting from the next room might be incongruent with what your why is. but we don't stop to think that. So and acronyms can be really helpful. I mean, I have like Sharpie marker and I put like little tattoos on myself a lot of times, just because for me, visual reminders, I post it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and those things can be helpful reminders on my phone. Like I have it in every multi-sensory form coming in. Cause we do need those reminders. Even if this is what we teach and what we do, it's, it, we're still humans. Um, the M is also twofold. So, um, having a mindful moment. So that can be like pausing and paying attention to the sounds around you, your breath. Um, If you're outside looking at the clouds, different um, outside sources are more grounding for for everybody. So Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, the breath for me, that doesn't work as well. Um, For me, sound works better or like the clouds just but everybody's different. So just having that mindful moment though, that pause, it doesn't have to be long. Um, it can be literally feeling like your feet on the ground because we're, we're really out of our body a lot of times. So just getting back into those five senses. Um, and then the magic, 
am also in terms of my program is the magic moment, which means just like taking a moment to really every single day connect with your kids. And so again, if you're not a mom, just connecting with somebody, um, it can be just saying hello to a neighbor. It can be, it could be anything, but we don't realize how important that connection is that interconnection. It really does. It's like medicine. Um, and then the C for YMCA is this concept called choice point within acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a part of my program as well. Um, and it is in every moment we have a choice that we can make and we can either move towards or away from being in, in connection with our children, which is the way it is framed in my program. But in the context of acceptance and commitment therapy on the grant scheme, it's creating this like dream life basically. And am I moving towards or away from what that looks like? And so if I'm drinking too much wine or I'm on my phone, I'm moving away. And it's really helpful choice point because it's, you get out of the story. It's just like in any moment, just choice point, am I moving towards or away? That's it. So it's mm -hmm. a lot harder to kind of trick the mind with choice point. And people have found it really, really helpful, myself included. Um, and then the last thing is the A. And so um, just taking that action step. So if you're moving away, okay, well, what can you do? If And if you're moving away because you realize like there's a lot of anxiety and whatever's happening on the outside, okay, so what can I, what tool can I use? And so I teach, you know, my clients a lot of tools. And so one of those might be tapping, like emotional freedom technique. The tapping solution app is awesome. Like even I'm trained certified to teach it, but I still refer clients just to the app because they do such a beautiful job. Why yeah. we all, um, and there are amazing apps out there like calm or headspace. Um, I am is a, is a wonderful one for like affirmation so that throughout the day, you're just getting those like, Ooh, that good, that good positive energy and messaging coming in instead of like the colleague who's just complaining while well with me <laughs> and not having that, you know, that sense of agency. We all need to have uh, a sense of agency over our life. And that's a big part of that's probably just what's most important to me. I don't know, like, you know, what I was in a past life, but it's like it always comes back to freedom for me yeah. as, as part of my mission and um, and part of my mission for students and for everybody that have that, that feeling of freedom. Um, and a lot of that comes from just like, we think we're stuck in our job and our lives, but we're really not. We live in a country where actually we have more freedom than almost anywhere in the world. And yet we make ourselves a prisoner to our own life. And so having people in your life too, who are actually pausing and changing what's happening in their life, like on a massive scale can be really, really helpful because then you think, well, if they did it, like maybe I can too. And even if a big step, like changing my job or getting divorced or whatever, just seems so scary, it doesn't have to be anything big. It can just be something so small. Like a few years back, I started juicing every day. Um, and that alone just made me feel so much better starting my day like that taking care of myself, sending myself this message, like you aren't important, you're worth it. And that's like the beginning of where change really occurs too. And like you said, modeling that for your children, mm -hmm. that like 
to encourage them to also always think about taking care of themselves. It's not selfish. It's really important. You know, we're blessed to, to be here. Right. And so let's, let's make the most of, of this life, both in serving, but to be able to do that. Well, we also need to take care of ourselves. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Jen, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, and if people want to learn more about you and what you do, uh, your website is jenzash.com. And, you know, tell us a little bit about um, your parent coaching program. Yeah, so it's a three month program. And it's Awesome. I love it. It integrates everything that I've learned as a psychologist, as well as as a mindfulness instructor and sleep trainer, uh, an educational reformist and researcher, uh, a mom myself, uh, and then the various certifications that I've mentioned a couple, the EFT, um, the acceptance and commitment therapy. So I really get to customize for each parent um, week by week, whatever's going on for them and their family, which is why I think then they actually take care of themselves. Because if they thought it was just for themselves as a mom, they would probably would not invest in it. But right. when mm-hmm. they know that it's kind of one-stop shopping, like they're, they're pretty much getting like counseling for their kids. They're getting self-care. They're also like, I'll meet with them, um, as a couple it's, and for every family it's different, um, and it's flexible. And so that's, been great too. So it infuses the mindfulness, psychology, and the educational component um, over the three month period. And so by the end of the the three months, even even usually eight weeks in, they'll say, "Oh, Jen, you know, I was I was going to reach out because um, I really do make myself always available to them." Um, but I know, I know what I need to do. So they really learn it, so that they have those skills throughout their life um, in being able to connect deeply with their child and uh, from birth until you know forever. And that is tremendously empowering um, because we learn how to drive a car, but not how to be parents and all the books that are out there. Now maybe there's some value in it, but the most important thing is being in alignment with ourselves so that we can be attuned to our child. And there's no book on that. You just have to be in a state of wellness and working on that so that you are paying attention to, you know, being attuned to your child. And then you'll just intuitively know what to do. Um, and and be able to create that that space uh, where your child feels like they can be truly themselves and communicate openly. So awesome! Well, thank you so much for being here today, Jen. Um, this has been a great conversation, and thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, and please consider leaving a five star review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey discover this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.